rolling mountains, pristine lakes, wild and scenic, spring-fed rivers, epic fishing, even a national park. And we're not talking about Colorado. What's the best state for a getaway in the heartland of America? The answer and so much more on this episode of the RV Miles Podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the RV Miles Podcast. We're so excited to have you here on our very first episode. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And this podcast is for anybody who's interested in owning an RV, who has one now, whether you're a full-timer, whether you're a part-timer, or you're just trying to figure out if this is a lifestyle that you might be interested in. RVMiles.com is a website that uh, that we launched a few months ago that is a, uh, a, a guide for RV enthusiasts of news and um, travel information, food, recipes, <laughs> all kinds of gear tips, um, you know, uh, tech tips on working with your RV, really a lot of great articles. We already have um, maybe a couple... Not a couple hundred. We have probably about, probably have about a <laughs> no. hundred articles on the site already, uh, and we decided we wanted to have a podcast as a companion to the site, uh, so that those of you who are driving down the road can uh, get can caught up on the news. Get caught up in the news can listen to us hopefully every week and um, and know what's going on in the RV industry. So we're gonna break each show down into a, a bunch of shortish segments. Um, and every week we're going to start with the news. Yeah, and the news can be anything related to the RV industry. Maybe we're going to talk about national parks. I suspect we'll actually talk a lot about the national parks. There's always a lot going on mm-hmm. inside our parks. In fact, one of our first news items this week is actually about the national parks. Yeah, so the, the big news that everybody's been talking about recently is that the America the Beautiful Senior Pass price increase date has been announced. We've known for a while that the National Park Service was going to increase the price of the America the Beautiful Pass. It's actually not just the National Park Service. It's the National Park Service, the National Forest Service, yeah, uh, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Bureau of Land Management, Bureau of Reclamation, it's just basically across the and board. And Army Corps of Engineers. Yeah. They, all, they have this pass that is called the Interagency uh, America the Beautiful Senior Pass. You might see it listed as the Interagency Pass or the America the Beautiful Pass. The same thing. We've always had this senior pass that was $10. If you were over 62 years old, you could buy this $10 pass, and it was good for the rest of your life for entrance fees to any of these national park sites. Um, and it was also good for usually 50% off camping. Uh, and we've known that they're going to increase the price, but they've been cagey on the date. And now we know that the date is going to be August 28th of this year, 2017, that the cost is going to go up to $80. And they're already backlogged. They are backlogged. Like you can't probably... Get one at this point, at least mailed to you. <laughs> They've been backlogged uh, for a few months now uh, for purchases, but now now they're now they're way way behind. And they say the best way to get one is to go to a park service site 
and buy it there in person. Now, but what we've been hearing is that park service sites have been actually running out of passes. They won't sell you one unless they have the physical passes on hand. Well, it's so, a huge increase. You're going yeah. from $10 for a lifetime pass to $80 for a lifetime pass. I and, mean, And people have been waiting to the last minute to yes, do it. Yes, which we know all... Yeah too well about waiting to the last minute. But I mean, even though $80 is still, I mean, it's still amazing deal. It's still amazing. It's for the rest of your life, but it's not $10. Right. And everybody loves a good deal. And they are definitely trying to get the good deal before August 28th. Right. It's in, and you don't need it. If if you're a couple, you only need one of you to get it. You don't, you don't both need to purchase. Uh, It's good for your whole party. Yeah, uh, it's usually for a vehicle to, of up to three, for your vehicle and three additional adults inside the vehicle. Right. Uh, and, and kids are free um, with that party as well. So, and then it's then then half price off a campsite. Um, the only reason you might want to purchase one for each of your couple is that it's only good per person for things like tour tickets. Usually, like we were at Mammoth Cave recently, and you know there's a whole bunch of different cave tours, and the the half price discount for having yeah. the senior pass is only good for the the pass holder. So if if you are a couple, you might want to get two just so that you yeah. Which that means know. if you can get it before August twenty eighth, you're only paying twenty dollars. Right. If you can't then you're looking at paying $160 for two people. That's a huge difference. $20, $160. So even if it's, in my opinion, a two, maybe even three hour drive to your nearest national park, yeah. it's totally worth and it to me. It has, so, And that is the best way to get it. It, it does, And I would recommend calling first just to see if they have them. Um, but it's you, you, you have to get it at a site that that charges fees. So there are a lot of National Park Service sites that don't charge any fees, so they actually don't have the passes. And then the other way to purchase it, purchase it is online or through the mail, but if you do that, you pay a $10 processing fee on top of the $10, and, um, and, and like we said, there's a big backlog. The other thing that they've added is there is now a yearly pass for seniors that's $20. So you could do that as well. And if you, I think if you, if you get it four years in a row, they will convert it to a, they'll just grandfather you you into a lifetime pass. Yeah. And we'll have a link to, there's an article on this on rvmiles.com. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. You can go check it out. It's got links in there also as well, where you can go to purchase or attempt to purchase online, but you're probably going to get that big giant disclaimer that's on the website right now that says there's a huge backlog. <laughs> Please don't try to purchase the site or purchase the pass here. And the show notes for this episode will be on rvmiles.com slash episode one. So you can you don't have to write anything down we're talking about right now. You nope. can just go to the webpage and you can find all the links and information there. All right. Uh, the other piece of news we wanted to talk about... Um, Today was that Guy Fieri, everybody's <laughs> favorite, the Diners, <laughs> Drive-Ins, and Dives host, uh, he's got a new show that's going to pre- be premiering on the Food Network. Um, uh, they're, they're doing a sneak peek of it August 13th. It's called Guy's Family Road Trip, and it's essentially Guy and his family doing an RV trip and uh, getting some road food. 
and cooking at campgrounds. Do we know what kind of RV they're staying in? Because I'm really curious I, as to know, what kind of RV they're traveling around in. The promo photos didn't show the RV. I mean, they are clearly no, at campgrounds. They're cooking at a campground. The promo photos don't show their RV. So I'm interested to see it. I'm guessing it's going to be, you know, like painted like a hot rod or something crazy. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited about this. I'm kind of excited to see, you know, a, a Food Network show about cooking at campgrounds. That's, that's yeah, pretty Yeah, I awesome. think it's cool. I think it goes to kind of speak to how um, big this industry is becoming and how many people are participating in this lifestyle coming from all age ranges and all backgrounds. And it's kind of nice when, you know, I mean, I don't think we'll be talking a lot about the Food Network on here, but I think <laughs> it's kind of nice when you can say that there's, you know, a major, like, network right. that's acknowledging yeah. the fact that RV living and cooking in RVs and at campgrounds is, like, a legitimate, like, thing now. Mm-hmm. So... I'll definitely check out the preview. Yeah, we'll see and, how it goes. and they'll be going to really cool sites like they're going to, it said Lake Tahoe, um, the Hoover Dam. Uh, they're gonna go to Flagstaff for the for a local uh, chili festival with spicy green, <laughs> spicy red and green chilies. Uh, but I think they're gonna do a lot of like sort of food festival type things, you know, uh, which could be could be. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, we'll see, we'll how, see how it goes. How it goes. Okay. Do you think he'll make any of those cheesy hot dogs? I, I don't know. We, we, have a, we have a really great recipe for bacon wrapped cheesy hot dogs uh, that we're going to get to on the second, third of the show. I know. I kind of wish I had one right now, though, while we were talking. Now that we've talked about food, I want a bacon wrapped cheesy hot dog. But before we get there, yes, yes. We're going to talk about. Uh, so we're going to have our next segment after news is always going to be we're going to do letters and sort of ask, ask the expert uh, type stuff. Not that we're saying we're experts. Let's just throw <laughs> that out there. We, okay. No, I mean, but, but, but we should, if we don't know the answer, we reach out to an yes, expert yes. and we get an expert opinion on something. Yes. So, or you go and read a lot of things about it <laughs> and then you tell me about it. And then I say, yeah. oh, okay, now I feel like an expert yeah. because you researched all of it. Right. Yeah, that's pretty much across the board how our whole life goes. (laughs) So the first uh, the first uh, thing I want to read to you is a letter from Amanda S from Nebraska. Recently, we pulled into a first come first serve campground late with no host on duty, and the only site available was the handicap site. So we left and parked at a Walmart. Could we have used the handicap spot? Mm. Was the question interesting? Um, And. uh, the answer varies depending on where you are. But generally, the answer is yes. You can use the handicap spot if it is the last one available. Uh, different parks have different rules about this, um, particularly state and national and public-owned parks. Sometimes they have a rule that you can only do it for one night, and then you have to move the next night. Um, okay, but, so you pull in late, and it's yeah. dark. How do you get... I mean, how do you get this information? How would Amanda and her family, had they been there in the evening, and you don't know because you're saying it varies from campground to campground, in her particular situation and in a situation that we have ourselves have been in, how do you get that information? Like up front, do you have to go to the camp host who's going to be super thrilled that you're knocking on their door at, you know, 10, 10.30? Personally, I, I think if it is that late at night, you should feel comfortable taking that spot 
in the with the knowing the fact that you're knowing that you're going to move the next morning or that you might possibly have to move. And then just be really comfortable with the fact that perhaps at 7 a.m. someone might be knocking on your door. Yes. yes. And suggesting that you relocate. An RV spot, it's not the same thing as taking a handicapped spot at Walmart, right? It's more like it's more like using the handicap stall in a bathroom. Right. If the other ones are used, we all do it, but we always double check the area right. first before we go in. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, I, the, so the, I mean the the it, it, and theater tickets. Um, we both have a, a theater background. We're we we were originally in the theater industry, and we still are somewhat. Um, and <laughs> if you're buying theater tickets or concert tickets, if there are no other seats available to buy, and all that's left is the handicapped seats, you can buy them. Yeah. And I so, mean, fair enough because that's what yeah. happened when we went to the Buffalo and, National River. And if you, they had to switch yes. our site because we didn't have electricity in the site, and the only site that was available was the handicap yeah. site. And so they put us in that site, and we were there for four nights, three or four nights. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, you should be comfortable because you're not taking it away from somebody. There's not somebody that that was that was you know that was coming. They don't have it reserved. And as a matter of fact, if you go on recreation.gov. You can, for most parks, you can actually reserve the handicap site if it's the last one available. Um, they may have you move. They may, if something else opens up, they may move you. Um, but usually it's okay. And it's usually you should feel some, something you should feel comfortable with. But of course, if you can check the website and check the rules and, and check like- with the camp host if it's not, you know, the middle of the night. And I feel like in that particular case where like you're checking the website and you see that there's only this handicapped spot left in this campground that you really, really want to go to in this park that is really, really popular, I feel like the very best option, even after you book it or right after you book it, is to call the campground and ask and Mm -hmm. say, we booked this spot. Is this going to be an issue? I saw, yeah, exactly. I saw another woman who uh, online... Uh, in a Facebook group recently, who who posted about this very issue, she wanted to book a handicap site for her husband who had just had knee surgery, and and has been walking with crutches for a while, and she thought that they might need it, but wasn't certain, you know. Um, and you in most states you don't have to have a handicap placard; you just, you know, you have to have need, right? Right. Um, and and she called, and they said, no, absolutely book it, and. If you decide you don't need it, call us and we'll move you somewhere else. And if there isn't somewhere else to move, that means that was the last site and no harm, no foul. I'd be really curious to hear from anyone who has booked a handicapped spot as the last spot in a campground and then had issues with the park when they got there Mm -hmm. and how that was resolved. So if that's you and you're listening, I would like leave a comment in yeah. the show notes. Leave a comment in the show notes or <laughs> email us. Your, or email us. And I just want to hear your story. I'm just curious. And matter of fact, if you have any letters that you want to get answered. Letters to the editor. <laughs> please email us at editor at rvmiles.com. You almost said our other I almost did. website, our theater. We also have a theater website. And I could see it forming on his <laughs> lips that he was going to say performinc.com. And he... And I changed it. Switched it at the very last so minute. So editor at rvmiles.com is how you can reach us at any time. And if, particularly if you have a question that you want us to either answer on the website or answer on the show, um, we, we'd be thrilled to get your, uh, 
your question. We would. That'd be cool. <laughs> I'd love to get an email from someone. So I want to move on to another uh, another sort of ask the experts type thing. Um, this wasn't a question, but this is something that I'd seen come up a lot in uh, in in Facebook groups and, and and such. Oh yeah, they talk about this topic a lot in RV water hoses. Oh, right? our, our Let's RV... not get controversial here. Like I think that I feel like this might be opening up like a whole well, issue. It's, for it's the weirdest thing. Okay, so I think this is gospel, and I don't. It it it, it amazes me that anybody might think differently but but some people do to each <laughs> so here's the question here. are rv water hoses or the the potable water safe the white or sometimes blue water hoses is it a gimmick is it a sales gimmick they're just trying you know whenever you go to camping world or wherever when they stamp rv on something you know the price has gone up ten dollars <laughs> right and and so we actually did a little bit of research on this and and found uh, some studies on what is actually in a garden hose. Because a lot of people contend that, oh, I can just take my green garden hose and use that to hook my RV up to the water source at the campground. Which, this is coming from a history of childhood memories in which many of us turned the hose on to get a drink right out of the the green water hose that mom and dad had attached to the side of the house. I drank from the green water hose when I was a child and I'm just fine. Did you drink from it every day? Did you drink from a, from your only source of water all day long? No, it was when mom went, Mom and dad wouldn't let us back in the house because the air conditioning was on. So here's the thing. A 2016 study, and this is actually the second time they've done this study. They did find it got a little bit better. But a 2016 study found that over half of common garden hoses have higher than safe levels of lead. Are you serious? Along with other contaminants, many other contaminants. Uh, and the thing is, these water hoses, and I'm not even, I'm not, I'm not joking here. These water hoses are very often made from recycled electronics parts. Really? Really. They're not meant for Man. to be water safe to drink from. You, you absolutely, <laughs> and, and usually the lead is found in the fittings more than the body of the hose too. It's in the body as well. Along with some other, some some plastics are often used in these hoses that are not safe, that are not legal to use in children's toys. They're not legal to use for drinking cups and plates that are made out of plastic. These are softer plastics that make the hose bendable. But what happens when you make a softer plastic, it leaks the chemicals into the water. So, and but the, the here's the kicker. RV water hoses, RV water or potable water hoses or drinking water safe water hoses yeah. are they're 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 usually made of a single there's no rubber inside of them. They're just a single layer uh, of of some sort of plastic. They're a little annoying cuz they kink a little bit easier than a regular garden hose. They aren't as they, yes, they're they hard do. To, they're hard to roll up. That a white bit. one we have drives but, me nuts. But they don't cost anymore. No. They're dirt cheap. I mean, you go to Walmart and they're like six to ten dollars. So, so there's no other than the fact that you don't b- want to buy a second hose in the first place, and you just want to take your garden hose from home. I don't know. Maybe we're just all conditioned to believe that green 
is the only color for a garden hose. (laughs) So, you know, you buy green, you need a garden hose, you look for the color green. There are green garden hoses that are are certified uh, to be safe for drinking from. Now that just gets confusing. Um, But there's another benefit to the color difference. You, You really ought to have two hoses, one for hooking up your drinking water and another hose that you use for... Flushing your black tank, <laughs> rinsing out your sewer hose, all that sort of stuff. Use the green one for that, or use a different color one for that. You know, some people have a brown one for that. That makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. I'd get right? a brown one. Keep them in two separate plastic containers so they're always separate, so there's no cross contamination getting into your drinking water from the hose that you, you know, rinse your sewer hose out with. So the moral of the story here. Do yourself a favor, spend the $10, get a white drinking water safe hose and just rest assured that you are not cross contaminating drinking lead or any of the other odd (laughs) things that they are apparently making these green hoses. I'm not a big believer in buying all all kinds of gadgets and gimmicks for your RV, but this is... This is one thing you need to have. Also, while we're on the subject, don't use the water hose at the dump station. Oh my god, don't to ever fill do up that. Your water tank. Don't do that. We we have what? seen so many people again in Facebook groups say it's the same water. I know it's not marked potable. It says do not use for drinking. It's the same water. I know it's coming from the same spot. Oh, please and don't yes, do that. And yes it is. But when you see somebody run down that hose inside their sewer hose to rinse it out and pull it back out, you will never hook up that hose to fill your freshwater tank again. So please, please heed that warning. RV Miles PSA. Find some (laughs) other water source. That's that's our PSA for the day. (laughs) Don't use the dump station water hose area for anything but your black tank. And on that note, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. (laughs) So what we're going to try to do here in the second third of the show... uh, Is talk about food. We're going to have a segment that we either talk about food or gear... And then we're going to talk about sort of a longer topic. Um, so first, we want to talk about a recipe that, that was the first recipe that we put up on the site. Uh, I think this will give you an insight into <laughs> the kind of individuals <laughs> that we are when it comes to food consumption, or at least that Jason is, I should say, because he picked this recipe. I did. Um, and it's fabulous, uh, particularly the, the things you can add to it. This recipe is bacon-wrapped cheesy dogs. All right, so it's a way to take hot dogs that you would normally cook over the campfire and plus them up a bit, right? And by plus them up, we mean add a whole lot of calories to them <laughs> because, you know, obviously a hot dog, it's just not enough. Right. So you got to beef exactly. it up a little bit more, right? Yeah. So this is what you're going to do. You're going to take a hot dog, okay? And you're going to take a knife to it and you're going to slice down the hot dog and make a pocket. So not all the way to the ends. Start a little a little bit away from the end. And end a little bit away from the other end. And make a, a slot that's a pocket. And you're going to cut up some slices of cheddar cheese. Or whatever cheese that you prefer. 
and you're gonna stuff them in there, okay? Not leaving too much poking out, but you're gonna stuff as much in there as you can. And then you're going to wrap the hot dog, kind of like a barber, barber pole from one end to the other, going around it, you know, in a spiral fashion so that with a piece of bacon and so that the bacon covers the whole hot dog and then you stick a toothpick in either end that holds the bacon in place so now you've got a hot dog with cheese inside and bacon wrapped around it and we've done this we made this and it was good it was very good and i have to say too that this particular recipe pretty much ticks off the three food groups for two out of three of our children Hot dogs, bacon, and cheese. <laughs> and cheese. Like now, if you were to throw yeah. some ketchup on that, Henry would be done. Right, he'd be exactly. done. He just needs some ketchup, and that's all he would need. He'd have meals for days with this. Yeah, easy enough. Me too. You would too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you would. <laughs> so you know, then you just put it on a roasting fork and hold it over a campfire. Simple enough. You can also put it on a grill if you want to. Uh, we tried it on the grill. I don't think it worked yeah. quite as well on the grill. I think it's better. Better over the fire, and essentially, when the grease, or when the uh, when the grease, when, and there will be grease, when the bacon is crispy, the hot dog's done. Right, the bacon is sort of the last thing that needs to get done. You throw it on the bun, and you put whatever your condiments are on top of it, and it is. And then you don't eat for two so more weeks because right? you know you just ate a hot dog with cheese wrapped in bacon, and if you decide to kick it up a notch. You can add jalapenos. You can put it on a really hearty bun. You can throw some avocado, some hot sauce, a fried egg. Uh, yeah, you basically have relish? a breakfast. I mean, you you could, I mean yeah. I feel like you could go on and on with you the can. kinds of stuff that you could put on top of this. Absolutely. It's, I mean, so if you try this at home and you add different things into it, Jason wants to know. I do. Take a photo of it, <laughs> throw it up on Facebook or Instagram, and tag RV Miles yes. on it. We'd love to see. Because Jason will probably go and make it. it. I will. I will make your version of it. You know? uh, one thing I want to say, though, if you use bratwurst or sausages instead, which you absolutely can do. <gasps> Grilled onions. Yeah. Grilled onions. But make sure if you do use brats or sausages that you that you boil them first, maybe in some beer, um, so that they're cooked. Uh, yep. Or bought pre- by pre-cooked brats. Because, you know, hot dogs are pre-cooked, brats are not. And you want to make sure that, that the brat is done before the bacon turns black. <laughs> yep. Uh, so so good. check that recipe out on the website. Um, you can find it at uh, under the recipe section, or you can just go to the show notes. And be show, able to notes. show notes. Show notes. All right. right. So we want to talk about um, <laughs> a state that we have had some pretty awesome experiences in re- recently, and it's a state that I don't think people realize is as beautiful as it is, or at least I, I didn't. I didn't. I think it's I think it's really interesting that we've had as many really cool camping experiences in this particular state as we yeah. have because up until we got on the road and we were full-time traveling, I had no idea that there was so much to see in the state of Arkansas. Arkansas is just gorgeous and it's right in the middle of the country. So it's really easy access for a lot of people. So convenient. But it's it it's stunning. I mean, you have some 
national forests. You've got Ozark Mountains. Um, there's a different mountain range as well that I'm forgetting the name of that runs through Ozarks uh, through Arkansas as It'll well. It'll come to you. And 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 you've got a a national park. You've got Hot Springs National Park, and it it's probably the most centrally located national park for for a lot of people from the Midwest or the sort of northern part of the southeast um, to access. And yeah, so we've camped in Arkansas in at least four different campgrounds mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. Two being um, so we could go to national park sites. The other two being just like pass through sites as we were on our yeah. way to another location. Yeah. But every single time, Gorgeous. they've been great. It's just, they've been great. It's so in, in the drives, all the drives through Arkansas, you have to, you know, be prepared for, for some grades. Yeah. Um, which we weren't the which, first time. Which we weren't. And then we were the we every were. other time but, from then on out. But it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just stunning, right? So... So our first experience really in Arkansas uh, for, for a legitimate amount of time was Hot Springs National Park. So cool. And not at all what I expected. No. It which is, is strange. Not, not typical for a, for a full-blown national park. It's not just a National Park Service site. It is an actual national park. Um, but it's, a, it's essentially a, a, a mountain that has a hot spring under it. And, you know, it bubbles up this this hot, steamy water that people have been using for well over a century. Hence the name's Hot Springs. Thanks, for, babe. <laughs> <laughs> we all got it. For healing purposes, you know. So there were the, all these, there was this row of bathhouses that was built um, in, the, in the 1800s that, that are still around today. A couple of them still operate. Um, one or two of them are National Park Service sites, so one's kind of a museum that you can walk through and see all the all the um, the old rooms and the yeah, the it tubs was cool and everything. We only spent four days there, and I feel like we could have spent easily mm-hmm. another four to eight more days because we didn't even really get to explore like some of the hiking and the trails and some of the more like. Mm-hmm. natural aspects of this right. particular park because we were so fascinated by the bathhouses and everything that yeah. that had to offer. And so the majority of our time was spent inside the town of Hot Springs, Arkansas. And, you know, we will link to, we have, in addition to rvmiles.com, we have a travel website that's our personal journey called ourwanderingfamily.com. We travel journaled this experience at the Hot Springs. We'll link to that in the show mm-hmm. notes because it's got some images in there that are really beautiful. Like Bathhouse Row is so gorgeous. It is. There, it, and, and just the, the, the history of the people that have been there, a lot of famous people. Yeah, I think it's um, really super cool in the park. So, so you can go drink the water, right? You can bathe in the water. You can, you pay, can. You can pay to bathe in the water. You can pay for these elaborate amazing spa experiences that cost quite a bit of money but yeah. you know it's a full day spa experience from you know, per- professional masseuses and I fully plan on taking advantage <laughs> of it when we go back because I felt like that I really yeah. missed a I missed an opportunity there by not bathing <laughs> in the hot springs I mean let me also- finish that <laughs> sentence because <laughs> there are also there's spigots that you can get 
you can get the water and there are lots of people that sort of line up and they bring old jugs and fill them up and take them home. I imagine people sell them and it's a great like junior that. ranger program too. The, I feel like it's my favorite one we've done. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like the kids were really involved in it that it had enough variety, but it was also contained like it was possible to do it in one day. We did it in one day with them and that it was really laid out. The junior ranger program was laid out appropriately for age levels. And I thought all three of our boys and our three boys are four, seven and nine. And I felt like all three of them were able to gain something in their, on their age level for the hot spring. And I think that they still talk, I mean, we could still talk about it with them and it's been four yeah. months since we've been there and we could still have a conversation with them or open up that junior ranger book. And I have no doubt that they would be able to answer mm-hmm. some of the questions or engage in a conversation about their time there. So I think in regards to that particular park, it's just, it's been one of my favorite travels yeah, so far me it too. was so much fun and if you're not familiar with the junior ranger program we're we're, we're full-time on the road and we we homeschool our kids or we road school road our kids. school and so it's a great it's 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 great for us but every national park service site has what they call a junior ranger program and they have different different ones for different ages usually and it's a booklet that they have all kinds of activities and quizzes and and scavenger hunts and and things of that nature to fill out. And once they do, they bring it back to a ranger, and the ranger makes them say a little pledge, um, and they get a badge. You get a badge or a patch. Or a patch, yeah. Uh, and they get to collect them, and and it's really cool experience for them. Um, so we really love them, and we try to do the junior ranger programs. So that was our first sort of experience with Arkansas. And even as we have passed through Arkansas on our way to other states and other adventures, I have always been so impressed and sort of like in awe of how beautiful Mm -hmm. the state itself is. What a really nice drive. Because I think one of the things for us as full-timers or maybe just RVers in general is that you you do have to drive. To get from point A to point B, you have to drive. And, and you have to stop. <laughs> you have to stop. But sometimes it can be really painful to be driving through a particular area and just have nothing to look at. Yeah. yeah. You know? And this is one of those states where that does not no, happen. There's, and there's a I, lot going on. Yeah. And so we have experienced hot springs. But then just recently, over the 4th of July, we were at the Buffalo National River for four nights Mm -hmm. and that again was so beautiful yeah i mean just the the river swimming hole the bluffs like the gosh it was just and it was such a great campground it was a fantastic campground buffalo point campground at uh buffalo national river and uh our seven-year-old said it was his most favorite campground that we had been to and it rained the whole time we were there so if that gives you any indication (laughs) if it gives you any indication of what a great campground it is the fact that a seven-year-old is stuck in the rain for almost four days total and he is still saying that he loves this campground like it's just a great spot and and it's right the, the campground is right on the river so you you can 
you either take a little little you know five minute walk down a little path to get down to the river, or some of the tent sites are actually overlooking gorgeous oh my goodness some of those tent sites Mm -hmm. it would make me i would almost be willing to sleep in a tent like in order to have that view like when i wake up in the morning but i think when i think about like the landscape of the buffalo national river and then i think of the landscape at the hot springs it's just again it's kind of incredible to me that these are this they're in the same state yeah it's totally completely beautiful natural wild but totally different Mm mm-hmm and the, the, the Buffalo River is, it, it's well known for uh, taking float trips or canoe trips. But um, I feel like it's kind of a hidden gem at the same time is. too, because we've talked a lot about saying to people, oh, you know, we're headed to the Buffalo National River for the 4th of July. And they would say, oh, where's that? And we would say, you know, Northern Arkansas. Um, and in order for them to kind of put it in their minds, we would have to say it's a little bit south of Branson, Missouri. Right, right. And then they'd go, oh, okay, I can kind of put it in perspective now. But I think that's what I love a lot about it too, is that it's such a super beautiful park with so much to do, hiking, ranger programs, junior ranger programs, a great little restaurant that sits on a cliff that's inside Mm -hmm. the park, the canoeing and floating options, the swimming options. There's so much there that you almost don't ever need to leave the actual park itself because there's really frankly nowhere to go. There's nowhere to there's but, really that's one that's the one downfall of the of the Buffalo National River is there's not much to visit outside of it. And that's common for a lot of national park um, sort of remote destinations. But but it is, I mean, you, you gear up and you go and I mean there are there are little places to get groceries. There's a city that's that's about a half hour away that nothing's open on on Sundays. But, um, but if you, you know, if you need to get to a Walmart, you can, it's not, no, it's not not awful. It's not the worst thing in the world. There is zero cell service. No, no cell service. And that's tough for, for us personally, just because we Mm -hmm. obviously we're full time, but we work. And so, you know, we had to kind of say we're here for four days and we are taking four solid days off. Otherwise, we would have had to drive 30, 45 minutes just to get cell service that we could hotspot to actually do anything productive. But that was kind of yeah. nice, too, because it does kind it of force you to unplug. So we took a canoe trip there, and what was the, what was the name of the outfitter? Durst. Was Durst, Durst Outfitters. Um, uh, I think they're Durst Canoe and yeah, Cabin Rentals. D-I-R-S-T. We'll, have, we'll, we'll link to them in the show notes. They we'll put were their so real name. fabulous to us. We we were really, really happy with the experience. Yes. Um, they took us, you know, they drove us up and dropped us off and 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 uh, and we took a, a now, I should five say, hour or so float trip. I should say that my family, my mother's family, has been camping at the Buffalo for 50 years. Yeah. And so this was my first time taking my husband and my children, but this is a location that I grew up going to, and we never, ever, ever have gotten a canoe from anyone else but Durst. They've always been so solid, and I know that they've changed hands over the last couple years, but it's clearly that level of like personal, just um, friendly like service has carried through to these new owners because, I mean... When we talked about canoeing, I was like, we go nowhere but Durst. Yeah. Nowhere. So, 
Arkansas, it's it's a beautiful state. Spend your time there. We also wrote a, our staff sort of wrote up an article summing up a uh, what what they called the Great South Central Fishing Trip. Oh yes, and it it's a fishing trip that takes you uh, essentially down the Mississippi uh, into Gulf Shore and then over to Texas and back up. And actually, several of the sites on this trip are in Arkansas. Some of the best fishing in in the country is actually in Arkansas. Some of you, there's great fishing by the um, by the hot springs. Yeah. There's several lakes around there. Um, we stayed on one lake, but there 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 are many lakes around. There. Also, a lot of sort of other boating type activities. You can rent boats. You can water ski. You can do all that kind of stuff. This fishing tour is. It's kind of epic. It's it's really epic. Like I mean, when you look at this map, as we are looking at right now, I mean, there are 11. 12, def- actually 12, 12 destinations. 12. Yeah. I can count. I swear. <laughs> but there are 12 <laughs> destinations. And I mean, this is, this is hardcore epic. I would, I would be interested in fishing. Just right. So I, I could go on this trip. We're not fishers <laughs> ourselves, but, but, but. I, I like I told my wife the other day I I like watching fish fishing on TV I don't like doing it which is really weird we did we were having we were having pho the other day and a fishing tournament was on the television in this restaurant and uh, we all sat kind of mesmerized yeah like... I mean fi- watching a fishing tournament in a Vietnamese restaurant even the kids were like in Kansas getting City into Missouri it, it was yeah interesting. I mean let connect those dots right. I. Please. So you can so you can fish, uh, you can fish down in um, down in around hot springs, um, but you can also up near uh, the Buffalo River. You can fish around the Buffalo River as well. But one of the best fishing towns, from what we hear, in the country is Mountain Home, Arkansas, which is near the Buffalo River. It's actually on the White River, and what's cool about Mountain Home is that you can. You can fish for for river fish like uh, largemouth bass and striper and walleye, but you can also fly fish for trout on the White and the Norfolk rivers, Ooh. which which you know is is rare, um, you know in that area. So that's really cool. And another stop actually on um, on the fishing trip is Memphis, Tennessee, which is which is on the Mississippi River, but it, it borders Arkansas. And actually, the campground that they recommend that you stay at is the uh, Tom Sawyer RV Park, which is actually a really well-known RV park. It has great in reviews in Arkansas. Arkansas. In, in West Memphis, uh, I believe is the town, Arkansas, just across the river from the Mississippi. And it's actually on a peninsula that goes into the Mississippi. So, so see, we brought cool. that full circle we where we not only were able to talk about the fishing tour, but we were able to end it. By talking about Arkansas. Maybe we'll actually be good at this podcast thing. Who knows? <laughs> or maybe we'll just get one or two people to take a trip to Arkansas. And then they'll take and tell two more people and two more people. And everyone will go visit Arkansas. <laughs> All right. We'll be back in a minute. And we're going to talk about... <laughs> we're going to do a brain teaser. Our first brain teaser. And we're going to we talk are. about RV power. Ooh, power in the RV. All right. We'll be right <laughs> we'll back. Be right Okay, 
so I was thinking about what I like in a podcast or a radio show. And and one of my favorite, my probably my favorite radio show of all time is Car Talk from NPR. It is his favorite. I'm not even a car person time. per se, but Car Talk is you know, it, it's it's off the air now, but they they do repeats of it, and I've listened to the podcast still. And it is the funniest show I've ever heard anywhere. They just um, seem like really good guys just who just sit down and guys. chat. Yeah. Like, it doesn't even seem like they're doing a podcast. You feel like you're kind of having lunch with them in, you know, like a local diner, yeah. and they're just, they're just talking to you. So one of the things I love about Car Talk is that every week they do... A puzzler and they you know they give you the puzzler and then you have to come next week to get the answer uh which is really really smart because it gets you to listen the next week so i'm stealing that from them <laughs> but we're not going to call it the no puzzler. we're going to call it the brain teaser the brain Ooh. teaser Right, so every week I'm gonna I'm gonna spit out a brain teaser. Maybe maybe I'll let Abby do it every now and then if she wants to find one, but she nah. she won't. So <laughs> I, I'm gonna say it and pretend that I you know knew the answer all along, and she's not gonna feel very smart because she's not gonna know the answer because they're really hard. <laughs> and then we'll come back next week and we'll give you the answer. Right. So Abby, are you ready? No, but go ahead. B Zaro. That's the guy's name. Okay. B. First initial B. Last name Zaro. Can you spell that, please? B. The letter B. Yes. Period. Yes. Z A R R. Okay. His name's B Zaro. Okay. I just want to make sure I have all my information correct. B Zaro claims to come from a parallel universe where afternoon comes before noon, tomorrow comes before yesterday, and later comes before now weird right it's crazy you don't need to go to a parallel universe to see the same things happen where else can you see this what where else can you see (laughs) this phenomenon where tomorrow comes before yesterday afternoon becomes comes before noon and later becomes before now where else can you see this? So Why if, don't you tell me, and then I'll tell you if it was what I was thinking. How about that? <laughs> so, if you know the answer, send us an email. Or if you think you know the answer, send us an email, editor at rvmiles.com, and let us know. And in the future, there might be some sort of prize for this. Ooh. Right now, there's no prize for this. Sorry. But, but we should get a prize. But we'll say, and I think name. it's mean to make me if you're give the, me this. If if you're the, if you're if you're the winner that we select that had the right answer, we will say your name on the show. <laughs> so, so come back next week and you'll get the. My answer. mom's gonna be all over this. <laughs> your mom you know she will. Be all over this. She'll have she'll have a billion different answers. None of them will be right though. <laughs> oh, you are gonna be in so much trouble. I mean, it is from a brain teaser book that was hers, so I don't know. Maybe she'll... <laughs> so, anywho, anywho, so, so the other topic we wanted to talk about today is something that's sort of been creeping up um, around the country that we've been hearing about, and that is that. There are some campgrounds, and, and this sort of sprung people were saying it was a KOA policy. Um, some campgrounds are not allowing 
50 amp RVs are RVs that are capable of 50 amp uh, service to park at 30 amp sites anymore. Why? Um, well, it's a little odd. So we actually, we, we reached out to KOA and KOA was like, no, we don't have any sort of policy on that matter. KOA is actually a franchise corporation. So all their individual campgrounds get to make their own rules and, and KOA is, doesn't have really any national policies. So, so KOA as a brand does not care, but KOA did put out a little sort of technical bulletin that was describing why people need to be really careful parking 50 amp RVs into 30 amp spaces. And I'll say, you know, there is a little bit of truth to that. Um, so the question is, is it safe to park a 50 amp RV into a 30 amp site? Well, why would somebody want to park a 50 amp RV into a 30 amp site is the question in the first place. Isn't it cheaper? Well, in a lot of, in a lot of parks, it is cheaper because they might only have so many spaces that are for 50 amp rigs. Right. And so some spaces are for 50 amp rigs and they're a little bit more expensive and some are for 30. But there are a lot of parks out there still, especially public parks, that have not upgraded to 50 amp at all and that only have 30 amp. Or you might be in one of those parks that have some 30 amp sites, some 50 amp sites, and the 50 amp sites might all be taken. So you might have to park at a 30. So what they're saying is that the the when a 50 amp RV is plugging into a 30 amp power pedestal at the campsite, that that is causing some issues where the socket on the power post gets burnt up and melts often. And, um, you know, what would cause that would be overloading the power, right? So, but, but the, the problem with the, the premise of this whole thing is that any 30 amp RV can also overload their power. There's nothing about a 50 amp RV other than the fact that often they have more air conditioners that would allow you to over, overload right. the power. But this is this so so K, this bulletin from KOA was saying oh it could cause damage to your appliances in your RV, um, all sorts of things that really aren't very true. But what is true is that if you have a thirty amp RV, you have a breaker inside your RV that is rated for thirty amps, and then there's one at the power pedestal that's rated for thirty amps. So you have sort of that dual protection, right? But if you have a fifty amp RV and you're plugging that into a 30 amp site with your little adapter, you have a 50 amp breaker inside your RV, and then there's a 30 amp breaker inside the, at the post. So the breaker at the post is really the only protection, because if you get up to 40 amps in your RV, your, you, RV's your RV's, RV's not gonna trigger, going. your RV's not gonna trigger anything. Now, that should be fine. That shouldn't be, you know, in your house, you only have one breaker for each, electrical circuit. It's not a, that big of a deal. The issue that seems to be arising is that people are, you know, running their power up to the maximum and breakers don't actually trip right at 30 amps or right at 50 amps. They're rated to trip like within 20% of that range. So say you're using 31 amps of power. You could be, you could be overloading that power service and you cause that 
that power pedestal, that the receptacle in it, to heat up over time, over you know, fairly, you know, a day or two, it might heat up and melt. And then what has to happen is that the park has to shut the power down for that whole section of this of, of the campground to replace that receptacle. So you could potentially be that guy. Yeah. Now, what I'll say again though is a 30 amp or a 50 amp RV can cause this problem. Yeah. The the only difference is the campground is trying to cover their butts a little bit because you don't have that extra 30 amp breaker. You don't have that extra protection you don't have that built extra into protection. your rig. So what really ought to happen, I think for the industry going forward is that those little adapters that adapt you down from 50 amps to 30 amps, there ought to be some sort of breaker or some sort of device that trips. And a lot of the bigger rigs that have the nice electrical management systems, um, this is never going to be an issue in because those things can sense when you're on 30 amp. They know they're not going to send out over 30 amps, and that's never going to be an issue. But the problem that this is, is seeming to cause for some people, especially over holiday weekends and things like that, is they've got their 50 amp RV rig, and they're going to book a site. There are no 50 amp sites left. They want to go to a 30 amp site and there are some campgrounds that are telling them, no, you can't do that. We haven't heard of any public campgrounds that are doing this yet. It seems to be relegated only to private campgrounds and more, definitely more than KOA. It doesn't seem super widespread, but it is happening out there. So it's something to be aware of and something that you definitely ought to be asking. If you're, if you're booking a 30 amp site with your 50 amp rig, you ought to be calling them and saying, are you going to allow me in this spot? There you go. Again, it's another, you should probably call the campground Mm. if you think that this is going to be a potential issue because nobody wants to get to the campground and then have the issue, like deal with it before you get there. But, you know, again. And really for anybody operating an RV, you shouldn't be relying on your breakers to trip to tell you when you've used too much power. You know, you might get a, use that to get a sense of it. So what you're it. saying is when I use the microwave and the toaster oven at the same time, I should just automatically know. You should just that know that you shouldn't be doing before. that, especially okay. when the air conditioner's on too. Well, I'm just saying, sometimes I'm trying to do things and, you know, I'm busy and I need to get stuff done and all of a sudden yeah. we don't have power anymore. Right. So it, I mean, it is always, it is difficult to remember. Sometimes you make an accident, you turn the, you turn something on that you shouldn't have found turned on and and you trip a breaker and it, it happens but um you should try not to rely on that you should try to be be careful about that because those breakers are only rated for a certain number of of trips and and they wear out and the campground has to you know go in and replace them and again anytime they have to make service on your campground pedestal if we're not taking care of those they have to shut down the power to whatever is powering you know multiple sites if not the whole park to take, if it's a small park, to take care of that. So don't situation. be that guy. Pay attention. Don't trip your breakers. Figure out what trips them. And, and, and is check, that it? And check with the, <laughs> if, you're, if, if you're booking a 30 amp site, you have a 50 amp RV, double check with the campground to make sure that when you get there, they're not going to turn you down and say, no, you can't park here. Yep. All right. And on that note... So that is episode that one. That kind of wraps it up. But you know what I thought would be kind of fun? What? And I'm totally throwing this cuff. at you. Oh my God. On the fly. What I, are you doing? So I think it would be great 
at the end of our podcast. Our family is currently in Kansas City, Missouri. This is where we are visiting some family and we are stationed here for a few weeks before we're going to be heading out. Do you have a suggestion for something we should do in and around this area? Maybe something that we should check out, maybe something that we, a place we should visit, a restaurant we should go to. But I think it'd be great at the end of every podcast if we give a little update as to where our family is. And then maybe the awesome listeners who they themselves have been Mm -hmm. out on the road will have a really great suggestion for us. Yeah. And it could lead to a great article. It could lead to a super filtered out, sharp looking Instagram picture or whatever. But our family is now in Kansas City, Missouri. As we record this podcast, and if you have something you think we should check out, leave a comment for us in the show notes, and we will definitely make sure we give it a good look. That and any other questions or or feedback or or ideas that you have for the show, email us at at editor at rvmiles.com or send us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And please make sure to follow us at those places as well. All right, you guys, until next time, we'll see you on the road.